This is a data privacy detective. It's November of 2022. And today we're going to look ahead over what the next 10 years hold. How will digital technology change? And, and how what will that mean for our personal privacy, specifically our data privacy? You know, if you look back 10 years, consider all the changes we've seen. Ransomware started with floppy disks in 1989, but it was pretty rare 10 years ago. Today, it's raging. Now, it's an organized criminal business. Doxing and phishing, uh, spelled with a PH, and smishing weren't exactly the highly recognized phrases they are today. Robocalls and pop-up ads were certainly emerging, but not as they see them today. Identity theft and data breaches are continuing to expand. Uh, uh, attacks in the millions per minute you read about. A very different world today it is than it was just 10, 10 years ago. And the law, law usually follows technology. GDPR didn't exist 10 years ago. Uh, Europe's uh, data privacy regulation, probably the world's most pro-privacy protection set of laws, didn't come into effect until 2018, although, of course, there was a directive before that. So we're going to look at what will change in the next decade. And with us is one of the world's leading experts, William McKnight. He has led numerous client journeys to business success, utilizing the key asset of corporate data, big data. He's given hundreds of keynotes and public seminars and is the most highly published analyst in information management. He's been named the top global big data consultant by Thinkers 360. William, thank you so much. We're honored that you are joining us today. Thank you, Joe. It's great to be here. Now, you're the president of McKnight Consulting Group, and in that role, you it's a leading data strategy and implementation firm with a, with a focus on incorporating approaches and architecture and, and IT information technology solutions to solve complex business problems for clients. So, I, this combination of what's the best practice today and what's about to change is, is is really what you do. So let's start with where we are today, November 2022. Tell us, William, who's watching us and what are they learning about us and how do they use the data that they collect from us? Yeah, well, it's safe to assume that we are being monitored to some extent. And uh, some of this is in our control and some of this isn't. I think we gave up a lot of the privacy in order to use a lot of the, the features that we have today, especially in the Google and the Facebook uh, and the Apple and LinkedIn and Amazon ecosystems. So who's watching us? Well, let's start with our employer. You know, our employer is quite potentially watching every file that we access, every website that you browse, and even every email that you send. And, and our employers have good reason to do that, of course. Well, yeah, yes, yeah, you could say that they do. And uh, and certainly it, it aids uh, productivity. And sometimes they give you an option, but uh, sometimes they don't. But I think it's just right. safe to assume that, uh, that they do know some things about what we're doing. Well, I'm sure they do. And uh, yeah, stay with employers. What what do they do with it beyond running the business for perfectly understandable and legitimate reasons that, that we ought to know about? Well, they're looking at your screenshots and time per project, time on software, 
you know, webcam shots uh, that are usually taken pretty intermittently and other metrics of productivity. Again, this all ties back to productivity. And that we could argue is a good thing. I don't know that it makes for a great work-life balance for, you know, some people that are on the other end of this. But you could say that a lot of that is legitimate. But as with anything, it can be used for illegitimate purposes and construed to be something that it may not be. Well, there's a recent European example where the employer insisted that a a Dutch employee stay uh, on a webcam for nine hours of the entire day. He was remote and uh, they fired him because he wouldn't agree to that. And then he won 75,000 euros in the Dutch court. A little different law over there. But uh, it's a balance, isn't it, for employers? And then, of course, there are many companies, most of us probably never heard of, that end up with enormous amounts of information about us through data brokers yeah. and however how does that happen oh, yeah. well i mean as companies uh things get tight they look around how can we make some more money here and uh, what are our assets and it's of course the products that you sell and the services that you provide to your customers but it's also your data these days so there is a bit of an open market for your for data from most companies And it's really not that difficult to participate in that. And so if you have your data act together, you have it centralized to some degree, you have it clean to some degree. And if there's any scintilla of interest in that data that you can imagine, uh, there's possibly some uh, monetization that you can have of your own data. Right. And and what are you seeing as the, the new and emerging analytic uses? of master data management uh, in in enterprises? So master data management would be internally in a company where they have their master lists of customers, products, physical sites, all the things that are important to a wide variety of applications within the business. Some people might be surprised that companies don't have one single list of their customers and their products and so on. There are many reasons why this is true. It's kind of hard sometimes to negotiate that internally, who should be on the list, it's hard to find the list, and so on. So master data management is a discipline that cuts through all that and says, we're going to build the list, we're going to put so much rigor into it that it's going to be indisputable and everyone will want to use it over the course of time. So that data is now being paired with all kinds of data inside of organizations just to illuminate all the data in organizations and make make all data really much more valuable to an organization. Right. If you take an enormous collector, like it could be Google, it could be some of the companies you've named, uh, they have this enormous, they know what, what we're looking at on, on web searches and geolocation information and so on. And, and beyond helping them run their business well, uh, what analytic uses uh, are they making of it? Or, or is this really done by other parties that they data share with? How is that working uh, in 2022? So companies are increasingly hiring data scientists or growing people internally into data scientists. And data scientists are able to use algorithms to find the maximum use of the data. So it might just be something as simple as deduplicating customers, matching up names and businesses, customer profiling, and so on. But it might get more complicated in terms of 
providing in a retail situation, for example, what's the next best offer? What's the next best touch that we can have with this customer? In healthcare, it's enabling the best clinical practices because these AI algorithms were able to get down to fine grains of data and make a lot of value out of it. So when you think about, well, you know, what's Facebook going to do with the fact that I click this link here? I mean, that's that seems, you know, innocuous. Well, that may be true, but artificial intelligence can can figure out what that click really means well beyond how a person can think about it and think it all through in their in their thoughts. Artificial intelligence has a look at all data and can correlate all data and put together things that the business can use well beyond what a what a person can do. Well, indeed, and let's talk about artificial intelligence or AI, to, to the, the current acronym we use, of course. Um, you know, we have vehicles that know an awful lot about us. Are we speeding or not? Are we really stopping at the stop sign and so on and so forth? And, but, and, and there, there are companies you're saying really that are, are mastering the art of the algorithm to then get out of a big mass of data, information that can be valuable to all sorts of companies on the uh, vehicle side. It could be insurance companies or police departments. It could be a whole variety of, of things. So how is AI, the emergence of algorithms, uh, intersecting with our rights as people to have some reasonable amount of privacy? Well, it's, it's, we, we can't restrict commerce and AI is just a core part of that. It's just taking what companies would have liked to have been doing for years and years and years, and it's putting that on steroids and it's bringing tools to the party. And so suddenly now, as consumers, we're saying, whoa, wait a minute, this is, this is too far. But it's really just the intelligence now that's built into artificial intelligence and these tools that's able to get to fine levels of detail so that they can customize their relationship with us. And if we have agreed, they can sell that data on the open market to other companies who can then use that data to do the same thing with. And there are, to be sure, third-party market data correlators that make this all, that facilitate all this. So I always encourage companies, hey, you know, you got to think beyond whatever data you're creating here. And I know it's, I know you're having a hard time getting that under control, but in order to meet your goals and keep up with competitive forces and so forth, you got to look to the third party data marketplace as well, because there's a lot of rich data there. Yes, indeed. I mean, there's, as an example, there's an enormous company that most people have never heard of. I won't use the name here, but it, 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 Ford is one of its customers, according to its website, and it supplies Ford with information about people who go to the showroom or call, I'd like to buy a new Ford. And by the time uh, that person walks into the showroom, the person they talk with has, according to their website, 4,000 pieces of information about mm. that individual. That, that's an example of what you're talking about. Absolutely. And then you can be recognized as you walk in through facial recognition so that that can be, you know, you can trigger up the, the proper screen pop on the the salesperson's tablet to actually have the most proper inter introductions and uh, interaction uh, with that customer. And so you're dealing not only with the traditional computer infrastructure that uh, we, we've come to know, but with 
with the Internet of Things and people who are making objects that we don't think of. We may think of Alexa's gathering information on us, but we may not think about our car. Well, uh, how will AI, in your judgment, William, significantly impact how organizations uh, will think about their data resources? Well, what it's done is it's brought a heightened sense of importance to enterprise data. And so in order to participate in artificial intelligence, you have to bring data to the table because AI is a voracious reader of data. And the more, the better. And the more, as far as it's, as far as clean data goes, the more clean data that you can provide to AI, the better its algorithms are going to be and the better this discipline is going to serve you as a company. So organizations are clamoring right now to get their data act together, get their data in what we call data warehouses, data marts, data lakes, et cetera, all these vehicles that we build for them and get it clean and get it well-performing, get it under management and get as much of it as possible that makes sense for the organization at fine levels of detail. And once they do this, they can start to participate in AI, which I think is going to actually be very instrumental in crafting the next generation of organizational winners. Right. And of course, they'll also have to comply with whatever the laws may be, and they vary so much around the world. I mean, you have the data minimization concept uh, in Europe, uh, but you're sort of saying, really, uh, for many companies, it's data maximization, but then using the data appropriately and, and with, uh, with good sense and, of course, compliance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I think companies feel like they owe it to their shareholders to pursue uh, success uh, uh, today in any, any legal way possible. And I've talked about how this data is legal. Uh, mastering your own data is very legal. Using AI algorithms is legal. And I'll put an asterisk on that because there are some things that are um, um, pending, I guess, that that might put some restraint on, on AI and probably properly so, don't get me wrong. I'm not championing this future here. I'm just saying, hey, this is what I see. It's where things are going, where, where it's going uh, to, what, what it's going to become. This is reality. We may get barraged by advertising. We do, let's face it, with pop-up ads and robot. But advertising uh, certainly is, a, in general, a very positive force for capitalism in society. So. It's not a good versus evil type of discussion. Well, let's turn to the future. Let's look ahead and in your crystal ball, what are the critical technologies and trends that will change the world in this sector over the next 10 years? So probably no surprise, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say artificial intelligence uh, in general is, is the technology that is going to uh, change uh, our life uh, in the next 25 years to the point of practically unrecognizing the, the life that we have uh, today if all this uh, takes off. Of course, there are a lot of potential factors, uh, macro factors that may play in here and, and slow down um, progress as it were in this area. But I think there's a lot of opportunity and we see it already. We, we see it already in terms of AI becoming much more of a companion to us, not just a a passive, like our phones are passive devices that sit there and wait for us to uh, say something or want something off of it, but they're becoming much more, much more companions, actually, in a way, aiding 
some mental health issues uh, that are out there. So there are good things about this. Also, medicine is becoming much more genetic, right? It's becoming much more, let's look at your particular DNA and see what's going to work exactly for you in this condition, because we have all this data. We know if we can only harvest the data, which we can with artificial intelligence. So there are definitely some good things about AI in terms of convenience, transportation, uh, drones, that kind of delivery. And there's a lot, there's a lot more, uh, more technologies that are that are going to play in here and work with AI, like cameras everywhere and you know, seeing our our every move, especially inside of cities. It's going to be hard to exist outside of our homes without a camera trained on us uh, at some point in the future. Uh, you know, again, I'm not saying can't wait for that, but uh, I am saying that, you know, we're starting to see that some of this already. Right. And, and in the uh, privacy advocate space, this is very threatening, can be. And they point to China about how that's what you're just sketching is, is really moving along with a social scoring system and so on. But putting aside ideology, there's a good side to that, as well as a, a threatening aspect to it, is what you're saying. But one way or another, we're going to see more of it, I think, is, is, is what you're communicating. We are definitely going to see more of it. And so, you know, if everybody listening to this podcast can just kind of put their eyes and ears open and look around as they, you know, go through their day, uh, it's there. Um, and what we're seeing here is the very beginning. Really, we're at the very beginning of AI. AI is about as bad as it's ever going to be right now. And so it's only going to get better. It's only going to uh, be much more precise. It's only going to need less data in order to come up with great algorithms that, again, from a company's perspective, lead us in the way that the company would like. So you know, we're going to have to be good citizens. We're going to have to be very wary of uh, the outreach that we're going to be receiving uh, from all sorts of products, billboards even, you know, as we walk through different uh, malls and so on and do our online journeys. So uh, it's going to be very customized. And uh, this is something that we'll have to kind of look at very, uh, uh, very skeptically, I would say. Right. So, I mean, picture the, sh the trip to the shopping mall, assuming shopping malls around the next 10 years, it appears they've survived the COVID crisis. Uh, and you walk in and they say, by the way, uh, somebody says on your phone, uh, there's a sale on what you love to uh, love to wear down in uh, stall number seven, this kind of thing. So th th this is what you're saying, that there's a, a convenience and they might say, by the way, they've got a 10% sale on and here's a coupon. I mean, is that a, a kind of an example of this new world we're going to be seeing more and more? Yes, um, I'm, we may be overplaying the the whole shopping experience of, uh, of today too much, projecting that too much into the future. There'll be ways in the future where you can try on clothes just by just by just by saying, oh, "I'd like to see how that looks on me," and voila, there it is. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and you know, different ways to shop for sure that uh, people are going to avail themselves of. So what we see right now is inner city or you know downtown types of big locations are being bought up by the Amazons uh, of the yeah. world. You might think, well, why is that? Well, because that, that's going to be a distribution center. And it, there may be drone delivery from that point because drones are limited in terms of how far they can go. And there's all sorts of regulations about them being in the air 
with other things and so on. So they are strategically placed to distribution centers uh, that are going to be happening inside of cities and so on. And, and we see a lot of new buildings that are being built, new, new office buildings with the parking lots are even being wired up for electricity and air conditioning just in case uh, they need to convert that to you know real office space because the cars are going to be fewer on the roads because of a lot of the things that we've been talking about here today. And uh, we haven't talked too much about uh, driverless cars, but I think that's uh, a big part of the future as well. Part of the future indeed, and we'll see how that uh, affects. Well, as we wind up here, what's the impact the impact then of of this i don't know if it's a brave new world but it's certainly a different world we're experiencing already and you're saying it will certainly accelerate over the next decade what's the impact on our personal privacy what 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 can we do about it we we make choices where they're for convenience uh, you, you're driving and you, you want to get to a location you haven't been to use gps there you go very good example of uh, Google doing a great thing with Google Maps, let us say. But overall, one can see this as a bit threatening, can't one, uh, from an individual point of view. So for whether it's legislators deciding what kind of laws should be in place or for each of us to decide how much we really want our data shared, uh, what, what advice do you have for people about public policy and our own individual privacy? Go through your Google, go through your Amazon, go through your Facebook privacy settings. They actually give you quite a few that most people don't avail themselves of. Make sure that those settings are right for you. You got to know that there's downside to, to turning off data flow uh, to these companies, but uh, make sure it's right for you in context example, of everything yeah. going on. Take geolocation data. You can have it turned on always or maybe not such a great idea just turn it on while you're using it and then turn it off they're poison or saying no i don't want to, i don't want to be tracked at all so we have choices we do have choices make sure you avail yourself of them make sure that you you step into the future boldly and with a lot of good uh sound intelligence about what's going on around you because it's hitting people like a ton of bricks right now if you ask most people if AI could generate great art uh, or great music or great wine, et cetera, et cetera, anything where there's a lot of ingredients and process around, most people would say, oh, no, I could tell. I could tell that. Well, they're absolutely wrong because it's happening already and they can't tell. And so the future is going to hit them even harder uh, and they're just not going to be prepared for it. Most people don't believe car. Most people don't believe cars can drive themselves. Well, they can. So, and that's a fact. Uh, but most people would say no. They haven't seen it. I'm not sure I've seen one here in Texas, but uh, but I know they exist, right? So I th I just say buyer beware and just keep an eye on on learning about what's going on and how things are changing, so that it so that you can face the future bravely and 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 go into it and make it the, the make it best for you as opposed to just sitting back passive and you're not going to know what hit you 
What a great overview. Good advice for businesses to think ever more so about their data and how to use it, to use it ethically, properly, but certainly to use it and to uh, for profitable purposes when you're a business and to individuals that we have to become more intelligent about our own choices and spend a little more time on the privacy settings. So, William, any closing remarks as we head to home? Well, uh, to the degree anybody can, I would like to see the benefits of this future distributed equally uh, across all people, uh, but people being people and history being history and things like this being very difficult to change. I don't, I don't hold up too much hope for that, but to the degree, the degree that we can, I would like to see the benefits distributed more equally. And uh, just as I said before, let's let's make this make the future work for us. Make AI work for us. Be be aware of AI and all of its possibilities. And there are definitely some good things that are going to come out of that that aid us in our everyday life, in our diet, in our healthcare, in our enjoyment uh, of life, in our work, and so forth. Uh, there's going to be pain though for for many as we go through this. So it just behooves everybody to uh, be on the lookout. Well, thank you, William, so much for being with us today. And as always, I will close by reminding us all, protecting your personal privacy begins with you.